Welcome to the TEFL Training Institute podcast, the bite-sized TEFL podcast for teachers, trainers, and managers. So, welcome back, Dave. Hurrah! Nice <laughs> to be back. Thanks, Dave. So, Dave and I were having a conversation a couple of nights ago, and we got talking about teachers' uses of materials, right? Yes, perhaps and the over-reliance of materials in the classroom. Right. And it reminded me of this quote from Ian McGrath, who says, It's been argued that if teaching decisions are largely based on the textbook and the teacher's book, this has the effect of de-skilling the teacher. If the person doing the teaching cedes to the textbook writer responsibility for planning, he or she gradually loses the capacity to exercise the planning function. So he says, the teacher's role is trivialized and marginalized to that of a mere technician. Well, it seems over my many years teaching and training, one observation is that when I see teachers who have been encouraged to use, only use and teach from the materials they have, they seem to develop habitual actions in the classroom that they do without thinking, without reflection. And I think there is definitely a parallel there between the quotation from Ian McGrath that you read and the teachers just executing their plan without really understanding or taking into account some of the, well, well, the learners. (laughs) Yeah. So at the same time, I think it's quite obvious from a management point of view, why as a school you'd want to provide as much support as possible for your teachers that think now both in terms of maybe getting teachers to teach as many hours as possible you could sort of like minimize the planning you want to kind of ensure some minimal level of quality well well, exactly i think the it comes from a good place right to provide more materials and more support is a is a wonderful thing for the schools to to want to do um and especially from the terms of the, the you know, the quality of the class that the students have at least if you know the teachers are using materials and following a strict pattern then at least the students will reach some kind of minimum level but it seems to be that there's it limits the downsides of perhaps hiring newer or less skilled teachers but it also can limit the upside i believe of letting those teachers then develop over time because they, they're not allowed to Absolutely. So over the next few minutes how about we talk about how to find that balance between giving enough support and then just limiting teachers to technicians. Sounds good. Great. So from what you were describing earlier, I think that obviously every teacher starts off as a new teacher and every teacher therefore needs a lot of... I was born ready, Ross. (laughs) (laughs) Not everyone's a Dave Weller though, are they? So so obviously there's an advantage, I think, to, to new teachers getting a lot of support, isn't there? Absolutely, yes. Um, I think especially when they've, you know, we often forget how uh, intense an experience it is for teachers who travel halfway ac- across the world. They're dealing with culture shock, um, new environments, uh, new colleagues, and they're thrown into the classroom, you know, the day after they arrive when, still, when they still have jet lag. In those kind of situations, I think there's a lot to be said for the school providing a lot of support for those teachers until they can find their feet. Right. I guess typically what might that look like, just to describe so we're all on the same page here, I think something that's becoming more and more common in my experience is giving the teachers not even just like a recipe book, but just like a PowerPoint or something to follow and that your job as the teacher is just kind of to flick through this. You don't even necessarily even have to read the instructions because they're already on the PowerPoint for you. You might have suggested timings for just about everything and really almost kind of like idiot-proofing teaching. And at the extreme end, I've had managers asking me, can you write a script 
for the teachers and the teachers all they have to do in the class is read out the script and it's, it's kind of like impossible for anyone to teach a really bad class that's really interesting I mean remember I mean, that's with technology right but back in the day I remember when I first started uh, you were given the course book and that was it you had to pick things from there you were given a certain guideline like maybe each unit takes three lessons so there are six pages so you know, do the maths <laughs> <laughs> and you went from there and you had a lot of autonomy over what to choose how to sequence a lesson you could move things around and you did have to rely a lot on your more experienced colleagues who perhaps taught that course book before to give you ideas and it kind of encouraged a definite kind of interaction and collaboration in the staff with people sharing ideas then I remember a few years later when maybe an update happened uh, course books were suddenly accompanied by teachers notes and you know first people the experienced teachers didn't really use them at all I just flicked through and went <laughs> you know turn their nose up at them but we found that newer teachers would arrive and be very very interested in pulling it out and teaching those lessons as is until they became used to it and then they found that maybe again with collaboration with input from their more experienced colleagues that they had more interesting ideas to try newer ideas and they saw the, the benefit and the effectiveness of those in class and so they naturally moved away from the teacher's notes kind of like you know training wheels on a, on a bike I guess Right. But obviously the issue here is if the training wheels remain forever, then... Or are mandated. Or are mandated. So, so that's another thing I think to mention briefly, isn't it? It's not just about what materials and what support you give to the teachers. I think it's about the management of you know, what you tell the teachers that they have to do. And then also maybe what you tell parents and students they have to do. I think something that uh, I've definitely heard about before is teachers getting complaints for deviating from the materials... Obviously, I think that's something that you can't say it's always the best idea to deviate from the materials. But I think if someone never Depends deviates... On the materials. Well, right, it does, doesn't it? If it's a good course book or if it's a bad course book. Sure. Yeah, maybe it's not just good and bad, is it? But it's also like how appropriate that is for the group of students that you're teaching. But I think there's a basic thing there, isn't there, about like what the customer or student expectations are and how you, yeah, how you balance that. Well, again, I think that one is easily changed, right? Just like often you get complaints from parents or students about the structure or the style of the class. They're used to almost grammar translation methods from their school days so that's what they expect and want and again I think this all falls under the same umbrella of you know customer education it should definitely be a part of any school's program to not just educate students but educate parents if they're young learners or educate the students themselves in the methodology and to explain to them why the methodology they, they'll be learning under is the most effective way to learn a language so I, th I would put the materials that are not meeting certain criteria under that as well. But then your other point, which is to go back about, you know, if the training wheels are always left on and uh, scaffolding yeah. around, the, you know, teachers when they first come, like, they're not allowed to take that scaffolding away. Then I think you're doing so many things with that, right? You're creating habitual patterns of thought and teaching for the teacher so they never really improve. They're not allowed to experiment and try new things, which can lead to boredom, frustration, both for them and the students. And obviously that has all kinds of effects on the business itself you know whether that be student retention teacher retention referrals or whichever metric you care to use um, if you don't let teachers develop to their full capacity that would be a longer term implication for you and for your school almost imagine this is looking like on a graph where if you have maybe no materials or, or minimal materials you're going to end up with a, a huge variety of you know amazing lessons from some teachers and with some classes to absolutely awful lessons and i think the more support you give and the more you mandate people use those Maybe the more you limit the things that are going to hit the very bottom of the quality scale, but equally you also end up pushing down people from the top of the scale and kind of squashing them all into this middle of, of kind of mediocrity 
where probably what's going to happen in the short term is you might not get any complaints and you might not get as many refunds, but you're probably not going to get very many people sticking with your language courses in the long term because, you know, after a year, you find that they didn't learn anything. So yeah, really good point, Watson. For me, I think this is where a good manager comes in because that's exactly what a good manager should be looking out for and assessing. If they hire an experienced teacher, they perhaps know they don't need as much support in terms of content, lesson planning ideas and so on, but they should observe them and encourage them to develop, maybe you know, fill in the, the gaps of their knowledge and encourage them to develop in ways that they would find interesting and useful and effective. Whereas when they hire a new teacher, of course, it's providing a lot more support, perhaps encouraging them to, to use the, the teacher's notes and materials to get to that minimum standard as quickly as possible, uh, both for their benefit and the students. So maybe we could talk about ways or what to do if you find yourself stuck in an environment like that. So if that is the case, then you know all it takes is one enthusiastic, motivated person to start to change the culture bit by bit. So you know, what I've seen is, is if you go in there and you know you get a maybe you do a lot of reading online. You listen to podcasts like this one, Russ. <laughs> you get some ideas, then go in and try them, but don't keep it to yourself. You know, try it and go, oh, you know, share those in the staff room afterwards. Good or bad, say, oh, I tried this thing. It didn't work very well. Have you ever done that before? Or if it works exceptionally well, you have an amazing lesson, share that with your colleagues and tell them what you did and how you did it and where they can find similar resources. You know, encourage them to start stepping away a little bit by little bit and see what happens. Yeah. Activity books can be great for that as well. I think a lot of teachers' rooms have those where you can just flick through or, or look at the back for whatever grammar point or vocabulary you're, you're teaching and try and find something that's useful and fits and is just different from what's in the course book and give it a try. Exactly. Or just say if you're not being set challenges or by, by managers or, you know, and you're kind of wondering what to do, then yeah, just pick a good book by a well-known author and set yourself a challenge to say, you know, you have to try one new thing every lesson uh, for the next two weeks and see what happens. And whatever the result of that, you're going to learn something new, um, be enthusiastic about it, be prepared. Things might not be as good because you're new and unfamiliar, but don't let that put you off and keep trying new things. I think for managers as well, that can be good. CPD now and again to just bring in some activity books and, you know, in groups, your goal is to go through and find at least three activities that you think you could use in a class this week and present it say why you think they're useful and they would be effective and just a great way of getting people out of whatever mindset that they're currently in and, and exposed to some new ideas and thinking about using it. So a question for you, Ross. Do you think this is a trend in the industry that you've seen? Because you probably have a wider experience and spoken to more people than I have. Have you seen this as a growing trend or do you think it's decreasing or what do you think? I would say I have seen this trend coming in more and more and I think there's probably two or three reasons for that. I think one is getting value for money from teachers. If you're paying a teacher to teach for 40 hours a week then you could either have them planning for maybe 20 hours and teaching for 20 hours or if I do all the planning for you I can just get you to teach for 40 hours and I can make double the amount of money. I think the second one is customer expectations. If you're going to sell something to someone, if you, every single teacher in every single class, you get a quite different experience. That's much more difficult to sell. And I think you end up getting more refunds as a result when the student's expectations are different from what the reality is. So I think that's much easier to sort of standardize teaching. I'm not saying I think that's a good idea, but I think that that phrase I hear a lot is like, we should standardize teaching. And then the third one is I think, especially with 
AI and cameras and things come in, it's a lot easier to surveil teachers and check on what's happening in the classroom from, you can measure, for example, if it's online, how many pages of the course book did the teachers teach? If it's offline even now, there seems to be AI where you can check students' facial expressions. Parents now, I think, in a lot of schools are able to go on and watch live streaming of what's going on in the classes. So I think all those things together combine to make for more of this, like teach by numbers. I hope there are no managers listening because they might be <laughs> persuaded by your arguments, Russ. We might have just had the opposite effect. Yeah, well, I wonder what the, some of the arguments are against it. I mean, obviously, I think it's ultimately bad for the profession, but I think there's a lot of arguments for that in the short term. If you owned your own school and you were trying to make as much money as possible in the short term, I think there's a lot of benefits to that. Well, again, I see it as the first part of an argument, right? Because, yeah, in the short term, it can be really, really useful. Um, it gets the new teachers up to speed uh, in the quickest possible way. But I think you've really limited the potential earning power of your school because you've done short-term convenience and you know getting them up to speed as quickly as possible. But you're missing out on the long-term benefits of quality. So without letting your teachers develop and reach their maximum capacity, you're losing out on teacher retention because they probably won't stay as long if they're not receiving you know uh, professional development. And also the students won't hang around as, as long either because they'll be shopping around just based on price and probably end up staying where they do feel like they're part of a community, where they can t- see the teacher trying new things and building rapport with them. So the first half, sure, I would agree there are business benefits for the short term, but you're missing out on the long tail, on the long term benefits of teacher development. Thanks for listening, everyone. Dave, thanks for coming on. We touched on lesson planning a bit there and use of materials. Dave, where would you recommend people go to find out more about lesson planning? Ah, well, funny you should ask. Hold on. Well, it just so happens I, I do have a book on the topic, and thank you for the allowing me to plug, Ross. It's called Lesson Planning for Language Teachers, Evidence-Based Techniques for Busy Teachers, and it's available on as a paperback or ebook on Amazon. Great, and I'll put a link to it on this page. Dave, thanks so much for coming on and talking about that. Pleasure. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. For more podcasts, videos, and blogs, visit our website, www.tefeltraininginstitute.com. If you've got a question or a topic you'd like us to discuss, leave us a comment. And if you want to keep up to date with our latest content, add us on WeChat at TEFL Training Institute. If you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes.